This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. So you guys have a good Christmas, blessed, amen, God is good. Um, what we're doing now is, I have a, a, a few other announcements that I want to give to you. Um, first of all, tonight, every year, the last Sunday of the year, we have like a prophecy update. And tonight we have our Sunday evening service at six o'clock, and I'm going to do like a prophecy update current events, current affairs, the world, global stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. We're going to talk about some of that stuff, look at it in light of Scripture. So I want to invite you back tonight if you'd like to come. That's going to be at 6 o'clock. And then one more time, encourage you about the devotional book. We're going to start going through that together as a church on January 1st. So this is your last chance to get one. If, if you don't want to, it's fine, but I just want to remind you that this is it. You know, it's almost January. And then lastly, what we're going to start doing the first of the year, this is brand new, super fresh. Um, we're going to start having a youth group Sunday mornings during the second service. So we have always, we have always done family services. It's in our culture as a church. It's our heart as a church for families to be together. We align the Sunday school messages for the kids up with this service. They're going through the same text as we are. So it's easier for you to have a conversation with your kids after church on the way home, et cetera, et cetera. So that's great. But um, we've gotten to a point now where we see there's a need for us to have a youth group during second service. You are welcome to stay in the main service. I would, by any means don't want you to think that we don't want you here or your kids here, your kids really, but um, we're going to offer that as, as, a, as a blessing to you. So starting next week, that's, that's going to be happening. So talk to your parents, parents talk to your young ones, and see if that's something that you guys would like to be a part of. And I'm very blessed to have Charles and Ronnie be heading that up. They're going to be doing that second service. And I think um, they do well with that, even better than announcements. <laughs> what we're going to be doing now, if anybody needs a Bible, raise your hand. We can get you a Bible. Anybody needs a Bible? We're going to be going through... Um, the last two chapters of the book of Acts, not all today, but over the next four weeks, we're doing a New Year's study entitled, The Journey is Greater Than the Destination. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at Paul's journey to Rome and everything that he had to go through and how in Scripture, the process is recorded for us so that we can see and be encouraged. And, and the destination, when he get there, we don't even know what exactly happened after he got there because the journey was so necessary and a part of the process. And we as believers, we could just want to get there and, and bypass all of the difficulty. Amen? Amen. So we want, so the, the title of today's message is smooth sailing with a question mark. Because the question is, is that what we're looking for 
smooth sailing, or are we involved in the process that God wants to bring us through with open eyes, open ears, open hearts? God, how do you want to teach us through these things? What do you have for us? We never see Paul complaining. Not one time this guy is going through severe difficulty, severe difficulty, and we never see him uh, utter a word of discouragement or disappointment in God when I'm like, God, what's up, man? Like, you told me that we were going there. Why can't it be easy? He's like, because I want to engage you, Timothy, in the process. Whenever I was in trouble with my mom, she would call me Timothy instead of Tim. And for some reason, whenever the Lord speaks to me, most of the time it's Timothy. So it's like, hey, hey, Timothy. I'm like, all right, Lord, I get it. I get what you're cooking. I smell it. So journey is greater than the destination And this is all timely, of course, going into our new year, looking at this chapter in our lives, this season that God has us in, and and we're going to break that down through the first part of Acts chapter 27. So before we jump into it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much that, that you not only are able, but you are willing to move mightily in our lives, that you are willing, Father, to use us in the process, that sometimes we would like to check out and just arrive, but you say, I have more for you than just arrival, God, and we are humbled that you would reach down and touch our lives and use us in difficult circumstances in spite of ourselves, and we want to engage with you, Father, in that process today, looking forward to the good things that you have for us next year. And maybe sometimes we don't think that they're good, but it's always good because you are good. You are a good father. So Father, help us to see that today. Speak to our hearts in your word. Thank you for that time of worship, Lord. We get to offer you the fruit of our lips. Thank you, Father, for this studying of your word. Also, we, we do as a form of worship to you. And our tithes and offerings, God, we want those to be for towards you and come from a grateful heart of worship. For you you alone are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you guys like road trips? I used to like road trips. And then I had kids. And now, I'm, I'm kidding, I still like road trips. But what's the thing about going on a road trip with kids. Oh, man. How'd you guys know that? It's like it's a universal principle. We go to the same place multiple times a year. We love southern Utah, getting up in the trees, in the forest, hiking, streams, lakes. We love it. And we take the same route every time. I'm not exaggerating. It's literally the same route. And every single time, the entire three-hour trip, I have one of my kids asking me if we're there yet. Or we're pulling into Cedar City. This is a famous one, too. We're pulling into Cedar City, and somebody says, are we in Las Vegas again? I'm like, yeah. We drove back to Vegas, kids, because we don't like you. And we like to torture ourselves by driving north two two hours and then turning around and driving back. 
And sometimes I feel like that's how, you know what, it's not sometimes, that's how we are with God. We're just like, not so ungrateful for the process. I'm like, look out the window. Look at the trees. Look at the mountains. Look how, look at God's creation that he made just for us. Are we there yet? And God's like, I'm taking you through a process that's good. I'm taking you on a journey that I want you to engage in. And we're like, are we there yet? God, are we there yet? Why are you delaying? Why are you frustrating us? We have to go to the bathroom. Just pull over. Stop. And God's like, hey, I'm not going to make it any different for you than anybody else. And here's the reality, church, today. We are all in the same boat. Can you say that together with me? We are all in the same boat. You and I and everybody else out there in the world, they're in the boat too. And just like Ronnie was talking about, the whole world is in the boat with you and they see what you're going through and it's the same storms that they go through. It's the same things that they go through, but you handle it differently. Your life doesn't look the same as their lives, but the same struggles are there. And in this trip that Paul's going to be taking to Rome, in the beginning, he tries to give him advice. He says, hey, this is what we should do, guys. This is what we should not do. And do they listen to him? No, boo, who's this guy who's a prisoner? We don't like him. But then as things start to unfold, the things that Paul says is suddenly very meaningful. Like, yeah, we better listen to this guy. He knows what's going on. And when the world looks at your life, it should look such that people say, hey, maybe, maybe we should... Listen to what these people have to say. Maybe we should engage God in our lives the way that they do. Maybe we'll have a different perspective because they see that it's good. So this morning, I'm going to go through seven reasons your journey is more important than the destination. So if you're a note taker, we have cards in the back with, with the calendars. There's uh, an area for notes on the back side. You can jot down these seven reasons. The journey is more important than the destination. And we're going to take a, take a close look at how God wants to engage us in the process. Paul is going to Rome because he has appealed to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he has that right. People uh, keep pushing him back and forth for the last couple of years. He's been imprisoned or under guard. And it's at this point that he, he, let's read the last few verses of chapter 26. When he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. When they had gone aside, they talked among themselves saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So Paul says, you guys are dragging me through this process too long. Uh, the, uh, he didn't know, you know what, what the outcome would be of the trial. And he says, I'm appealing to Caesar. He's going over their jurisdiction, over their heads. And he gets to go talk to, in that time, who he would have thought was the king of kings, the Caesar, the big kahuna, the main cheese. And we know that the purpose and reason for Paul going to see Caesar is not because it's a plan that Paul had. It was a purpose that God had set in place. 
And spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about this more next week, but Paul knew that he was supposed to go to Rome because God told him he was supposed to go to Rome. This is important for you and for me. When God says something's going to happen, you can bank on it happening. We just don't talk about the process too often. Or we do. We just don't know if it's going to ever look this bad as it does for Paul. Chapter 27, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. Reason number one, if you're taking notes right here, we see, and when it was decided, decided? Oh yeah, we make decisions on a daily basis. We decide how things are going to play out in our lives. And sometimes we exclude God from the planning process of those decisions. It's that they decided this is what we're going to do. But the Bible tells us that man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And if we're submitted to God in the process we're not ever going to be in a place where we decide something's going to happen and, and exclude God from the process. It's very important for us to understand if we want to engage God in the process, that he's going to be the one that's in charge of the process, not us. How do you feel when things don't go according to plan? How do you feel when you make a decision about something and then God says, uh-uh-uh, that's what you want, but that's not what's going to happen. I don't like it. I get frustrated when I'm holding on to my own will, when I'm holding on to what I want. But when I'm submitted to God in the process, I'm blessed. Paul doesn't know what's coming up. And it's going to get very severe, but he knows that God said, you're going to Rome. They can decide whatever they want. God is going to be part of the process for them. So number one, decided. Number two, in verse two. So entering a ship of Adorantium, we, went to, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was, Thessalonica was with us. Point number two, what were they doing? Oh, they were meaning to do something. They were intentional about their plan. It's good to have a plan. It's good to be intentional. But when you do so to the, to the point of, of excluding God from the process, again, you, you put yourself in a difficult situation. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. You guys probably know these verses well. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. God wants to engage us in the process. Whatever your intentions are, God's are better. So you make plans, you go forward, but you have an open heart and an open mind to, to being redirected, possibly. And you won't be wrecked by it when it happens because you've prepared yourself in submission to God to be part of the process. 
I talk to people all the time. I just talked to a brother after the first service who's sharing with me his plans. And he says, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'm trying to, but I have no timeline because I know that it's going to happen, and I know that if I just keep going forward, God is going to be faithful to meet me. And I said, amen, brother, because that's what our perspective needs to be. Number one, decided. Number two, intentions. Number three, in verse three, and the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. Well, isn't that nice, Julius? Kind guy, overseeing Paul, realizes that Paul's not a criminal or a bad guy either, probably pretty quickly. And he's kind to him and lets him go to his friends to receive care. So I have prepare and care. Also, you can jot down assistance because this is what God is doing for Paul. Paul's getting ready to go on a very difficult journey. He doesn't foresee what's going to happen in the future, but he's given him some direction and discernment about it. And therefore, because the journey is getting ready to be very difficult, God surrounds him by people who can assist him, help him, care for him, and, and prepare him for the journey that's ahead. Listen to this, church. I 100% guarantee that God always prepares you before he takes you into the storm. He always does. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you submit yourself to it is another question, right? It's another question. But God is faithful to prepare you for that next season you're going into. So how can we better receive that assistance and care to be prepared for what lies ahead? They're going to be shipwrecked. There's a question, a big question mark over life if they're going to survive pretty much through this whole trip that they're going to go on. And here God moves in the heart of Julius and ministers to, blesses Paul through his friends to receive care. Do you know that that's what we're supposed to be doing here together as well? You guys all come and you ask yourself in the morning, do I want to go to church? And usually we gauge whether we are going to go to church based on how we feel, you know, like how do I feel? What's Tim going to talk about now? That guy. But how about looking it through the lens of like, I wonder if anybody needs help at church today. I wonder how I can connect and engage somebody new that comes for the first time. I wonder how I can bless somebody with the spiritual gifts that God has given me. And he uses us to bless and care for each other. Isn't that a miracle? A, 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 a people, mankind, who have always only ever cared about themselves. Now, Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17 is that they would be one. Not just one with us, like we are one father, but they would be one together. They would love each other. They would care for each other. It's a beautiful picture. And when you go into the storm, when you get on the boat with everybody else and life gets rocky and the wind is blowing against you, you have people around you who care about you, that love you and are there to help you through it. And don't be scared to ask somebody at church for prayer. Don't be scared to ask somebody if you can come over and hang out because you're tired of being alone. Don't be afraid. It's our job. It's what we do. And if you call me, I'll say no, but this person will hang out with you. Maybe. 
I don't know. Have to ask them. Decided intentions prepare assistance. And then our next one. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Everybody say with me, the winds were contrary. Do you know what contrary means? It means against. In fact, I wrote down the definition of contrary, opposite in nature, direction, or meaning. (laughs) Pretty much the opposite. This is something that I've seen universally over, over the years. Whenever we're getting ready to do something as a church, have a big event, or especially go on a missions trip. By the way, we're going to Croatia in June. I want you to pray about coming on the team. We support a couple church plants there and visit the church plant that Grace and I planted back, you know, a few years ago. But I want you to pray about coming with us. The last week, I always tell people that are on the team this, the last week before we go on this trip is going to be very difficult for you. It's going to be like hell. The spiritual warfare is turned up and God does not want you stepping out in faith, going anywhere, let alone to a dark place that needs the light. And we've had people go to the hospital and the doctors are like, we don't know what's going on. Like we cannot diagnose this. I said, I know what's going on. It's called spiritual warfare. And every single time, as soon as that person stepped foot on the plane, everything's fine again. But there's that resistance. There's the contrary to slow you down. And nothing is worse than being in a process, a journey, and having it take longer than it's supposed to take. Amen? For some reason, I really shouldn't say this, but I am unhinged today. For some reason, all these people from California are moving here and taking up all our beautiful highways. Can I get a witness? There was one time we were driving down to Southern California for something, and for some reason, we thought it would be a good idea to leave, what was it, Christmas, Christmas, the day after New Year's? The day after New Year's. The trip should have taken four hours tops. You know how long it took us? Nine hours. There's nothing like being in a process that should go smoothly and quickly and have it drag and have the resistance and the contrariness against you. It stinks. It's terrible. But know this, Christian, that as you engage in the process that God has you in, even if things seem contrary sometimes, he is in it for a purpose. He wants to teach you something through the process, not just get you to the land of milk and honey. <laughs> it's not. They have big taxes over there. Are things contrary in your life right now? Have you asked yourself why? Why? Have you complained about it? God, what is wrong with you? And he says, listen, I love you. I am fully aware. Why couldn't it just be easy for Paul? Like right out of the gate, why couldn't it just be like you want me to go to Rome? Like teleport me there. But there's this whole process that God wants to take Paul through. And all along the way, he's meeting people, preaching the gospel, healing people, and touching people's lives. 
And every once in a while, not every day, but sometimes I'm going about my day, I'm doing my business, I'm going here meeting them, have an appointment over here. And sometimes, uh, pretty regularly, I'll meet somebody who halts my plans for that day. And I just know that I know I'm having a conversation with this person. I'm getting to share with them and love them. And I know that God had them as part of the process for that day. And I can get frustrated because I'm going to be late and I don't know what's going on. And I don't have time to talk to you. But God says, I want this person to be part of your process today, Timothy. I want you to hear what they're saying to you and love them because I love them. And it's an honor and a joy and a privilege. And it may look contrary to what my plans are, but God's plans are bigger than mine and they're better than mine. And I trust him for every moment as we go through this process with him together. Verse five, and when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy and put us on board. When we had sailed slowly to Southern California with many days and arrived with difficulty off of outside of L.A., just kidding. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Canidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter off Crete, of Crete off Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lacia. In those two verses, there's one word that's repeated twice. Did anybody pick that up? Can you see that? Difficulty. Difficulty. Slow. The process was slow. The sailing was difficult. It seems like everything's against us. Have you ever said that before? Have you ever felt like that before? It seems like everything's against me. Nothing's going right. The sailing is slow. The wind is against. How does the wind stay against you for so long? It's like we turned, we went a different direction to, to get away from the wind and then the wind changed direction. You know, like the smoke at the campfire? It follows beauty or whatever. Smoke's always in my face. I'm just sharing. <clears throat> you move all around and it keeps blowing right in your face. It's like, why does this have to be so difficult? I'm just trying to enjoy the great outdoors and sit by the fire. God wants to engage you in the process. And at no point do we see the Apostle Paul complaining, upset, or frustrated with God because of the process. Because he knew God told him that they were going to Rome. So he knew that it was Rome where he was going to end up, no matter what this journey looked like. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? People on a boat, like the disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is fast asleep in the bow. And then the storm comes. And the boat starts to rock and it starts to fill with water. And then all of a sudden, these, these simple fishermen start to complain and, and cry out. And they go and they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, Jesus. What do they say? We're perishing. We're going to die. 
And Jesus said, oh, yes, that's right. I said, let's get in the boat and then get to the middle and sink and die. That's where we're going. No, Jesus said, get in the boat because we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. That's what the word of God was. That's what the focus and the direction was supposed to be. But when difficulty comes, adversity, that's our key word, adversity comes, it changes everything. It changes our perspective, but it shouldn't. It should not. And Paul is submitted to God in the process, even early. Nothing even bad's happened. It's just inconvenient. Like their lives aren't necessarily directly uh, threatened like they're going to be in the next two chapters. Right now, it's a rough start, right? With difficulty, adversity, they finally get to Fair Havens near the city of Lacia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the feast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. Now when the much time had been spent and the sailing was now dangerous because the feast was already over, Paul pipes up and speaks to them. This is probably, well, this is the end of September, beginning of October. So it's getting into that time of year where you don't want to go sailing. Like they said, it's dangerous. And, and, and Paul says something. This is our next word, so pay attention. <laughs> our next word is, what does Paul advise them? He says, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster. You know what, church? You... If you identify as a Christian, have the gift of the Father. Do you know what the gift of the Father is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come and abides inside of you. It convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and the coming judgment. It gives you direction. It's your connection, your lifeline to God. Therefore, if you have the Spirit of God living within you, then you should have a different perspective than everybody else. Your perspective should be that of a spiritual perspective instead of the rest of the people on the boat in the world who have questions and don't know what's really going on. Paul says, I perceive. Now, he was given some insight that it was going to be very difficult days coming up. And I thank God, by the grace of God, that he consistently does this for his children. I don't know if you've ever had it happen to you, but I've had it happen to me many times. He says, Tim, get ready. Something is about to happen. I'm like, what, Lord? He's like, get ready. I want you to be prepared. Sanctify yourself. Spend some extra time seeking me to prepare you for this next season that you're going in. And I'm, I'm grateful that God is faithful to do that. And, and he's faithful to do it in your life as well. In fact, he never takes you into something, again, without some kind of level of preparation. He wants you to be prepared. 
He wants you to have a different perspective and to perceive things differently than the rest of the world does. And that's why people in the world come and ask you for advice or what your opinion or thoughts are on something because they realize that you have a different perspective that they don't have and they want it. But they're not willing to give up the freedom of the selfish life so they want to have their cake and eat it too. But in submission to God and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're able to have a different perspective. And going into difficult times, we should have a different perspective even while it's happening. And if you don't, you, you can ask God anytime. Be like, God, give me a better perspective. Give me a different perspective. Let me perceive what's going to happen. It's not fortune telling, fortune forecast, lucky charms. It's, it's a preparation for something that God has, has always intended to involve you in during the process. Just like from the foundations of the earth, since the earth was made, he has laid out certain things for you, good works for you to walk in. Because it's part of the process. And, it, and it's going to stink sometimes. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But your perspective is different when you go through that stuff. Your perspective doesn't look like the majority, which is our next word. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Hmm, I wonder why the helmsman and the owner of the ship uh, wanted to get the ship there faster. Anybody know? Money, 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 money. It's in their best interest. It's not so much that they care about the people, it's profits. The sooner the ship gets back, the sooner the ship can go out again, right? Hey, the risk-reward in this scenario, it was worth them to take the risk because they were going to benefit from the reward. And how they communicated that to everybody else, I don't know. But it says in verse 12 that because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. Who's the majority? Everybody else. That's our, our, our final word, majority, but we'll say everyone, okay? Everybody was opposed to what Paul was saying, and even though he had some insight into what God was doing. And most of the time when we, when we represent God well, when we, when we live our lives, our lives are going to look different. We're going to do things according to our perception that God is including us in his process and that we may make our plans, which is great, but, but we're completely submitted to him directing our steps as we should be. You know, tax time is coming up. Yeah, lots of smiles. Lord bless you guys. You're going to have an opportunity to do something that you should do as a person in the privacy of your own house unto the government, or you can be bitter and government hating and whatever, and you can try to do whatever you can to get out of paying your taxes or whatever. I know this is a sore subject, and I'm sorry. But the point is, like, everybody's got to deal with it. The world would rather cheat and get away with it. We, God sees what we do in our, in our houses. He sees what we're thinking. He, he, 
He knows when we're trying to cheat, when we're getting out of, we're trying to get out of something. And when we sow into righteousness unto the Lord, that fruit is always born in our lives on a regular basis. But when, when we cheat and when we're, we're shady and try to do things the wrong way or illegally, maybe we don't go to jail, but it also becomes manifest in our lives because that's what we're sowing into. That's what, what's happening. Yeah, I might get a good grade on the test that I have all the answers on my smartwatch or whatever nowadays. I don't know how kids cheat these days. But in the, in the long run, what benefit is it going to be for me? It's not going to be any benefit. I just didn't want to study. But God sees the big picture. It's not just about getting to a destination. It's the process that he wants to take you through to get there. And if a test is a test, it's there to show us something that, that we need to see. That, we're, that maybe we're average. Maybe we're D's. Maybe we're failing. But it's part of the process to help us see the direction that God is taking us in, and, and even no matter how much we want to plan or prepare for things coming ahead, God knows where we're going, what he's going to do, and as long as we're submitted to the process going into the new year, he's going to bless us and take care of us. So let's look at all of the words together. Number one, decided. People think they decide but God really decides. <laughs> God's really in charge. He, he knows what's up. Number two, intentions. Even when we think our intentions are good, we had good intentions, sometimes things change. What's the old saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. This is how I you know, intended it to turn out, but this is how it turned out. Listen, big picture, God knows what's going on, and even though we have maybe the right intentions, sometimes God shakes it up or, or shifts things around a little bit to take us in a direction that, that he would rather us be in. Number three, assistance. God always prepares you for what's ahead. Care, prepare. Number four, contrary, opposite in nature, direction, and meaning. Sometimes things are going to be contrary. You just, there's no getting around it. There's going to come pressure and, and an opposition. Know that just because you have pressure and opposition does not mean that you're going in the right direction. And then number five, adversity or difficulty. Difficulty, just plain hard. Have you ever been in a season like that where it's just, it's just so hard? It's like every step you take Every move you make is difficult. Perspective, number six. Our perception, our perspective is always and should always be different from the rest of the people on the boat. It has to be. And if, and if it's not, then I would say seek that. Seek God to have that different perspective because he wants you to have it. He wants you to understand that he's taking you through a process and it's good because he's good. And then lastly, everyone, the majority. And remember that broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way. One guy. Hey guys, I don't think we should go. This is gonna be really bad. No, let's take a vote. Everybody says we should go. Who's that guy? Forget about him. Don't worry about being caught up in the majority. 
Just because there's a majority vote doesn't mean that's, that's necessarily what is supposed to happen. I think it's interesting. I wonder what would have happened if they didn't go. Well, I think that they're always going to go. But Paul, uh, God wanted to make a mark on this ship through this man's life and what he spoke. And people are going to see in your life not only what you say, because words are just words, but how you live, what comes from your life, what's the produce. Are you saying the things that your life reflects? Because not only does God know, you're not fooling him, he's a pretty smart guy, but people around you, they can tell too. Maybe you don't think they can, but they see that what you say doesn't really line up with how you live. So we put all these together. I put all these together for you. And then we came up with a secret word, a takeaway word, the secret word. <laughs> Decided, intentions, prepare and care, assistance, contrary, adversity, and contrary, adversity, difficulty, perceive, and everyone or majority. And look at what it says in the middle there. Discern. Through all those things, the seven reasons your journey is more important than the destination, you will be able to navigate life with discernment. And that took me a long time to do, okay? I worked on that for like three hours and I still couldn't come up with the word. I had to say, Grace, I need you to come up with this word for me in here. So she did it. Say thank you. And the reason that we do weird little things like that is because it helps you to remember, because you forget. You know how I know that? I've had the same conversation with you 15 times about the same thing. You know, that's not the reason why. The reason why is because I forget. And we need to remember, we're going into this process. We're going into a new year. What does God have for us? How can we, God, be submitted to you and be part of the process and not kick against the goads? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, and, we, and this is our heart. We want to be part of the process, Lord, in, in sincerity. So please give us that perspective. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you're moving, how we can be part of that process, just like Paul was, without complaining, with discernment, with the right perspective. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Hey, this morning, guys, I, I want to be honest with you. If, if, if anything that we covered this morning pricked your heart and the Lord's moving your heart, whether it's the complaining thing or the direction or the process, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord today. Not for my sake by any means, but but. The Lord already knows your heart, but just to, to connect it to an action. Sometimes that solidifies it for us. So if, if, if you are committed and committing to hearing that word and submitting to God in the process for 2019, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Anybody else wants to be part of God's process and not their own this next year? Father God, I lift up my brothers and sisters and thank you for their boldness to say to you, we hear loud and clear. We don't want our own thing to happen. 
We don't want to get upset when things start to happen that we're not in our plan book, but be submitted to you fully knowing that you want to engage us through the process, that you want to take us on a journey and the destination will come, but you're going to teach us and bless us on the way. We raise our hands, Lord. We give you our hearts and we magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one more thing. We also don't do this very often, but if there's anybody here who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity because the journey that you're on now is not any way the fulfilling life that God wants you to have. And you're going to go and you're going to see you take my word for it, but if you have to go and see what the world has to offer isn't much. It's not worth anything. And it's through faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and start to understand what the purpose that God has for you on this planet is. If you've never made that public confession before and today you're saying, I want to know who God is. I want him to forgive me and to cleanse me and I want to engage in this process of life with him. If everybody has their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if that's you, raise your hand up high so that I can pray for you. Anybody at all? I see your hands. Anybody else? Father, I pray for this now, my sister, whose desire it is to submit to you, to receive your son as her personal savior, to reconcile her back to having a right relationship with you. And Father, I pray that you would open her eyes, that you would empower her, bless her with your Holy Spirit, and give her that perspective that your kingdom children have knowing that you're in charge, that you are good, that you're going to take care of her and you're going to take care of us. And I pray that you'd bless her in this process. In Jesus' name.